0: Our Gospel reading is from the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning at the first verse. Let us listen for a word from God. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. for he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Thou who art our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, let let me tell you about a young man who experienced God's call. You heard earlier about uh, Josh in the children's message. Well, this is Josh grown up. and He's working with his father in a small computer company and the work produced a decent income. He wasn't married and had no children to look after, so he was relatively free to respond to a call that would take him in a different direction. One day he went to hear a new preacher in town and was immediately drawn to him. The man spoke with authority, and he preached a message of freedom that struck a chord. The young man felt burdened by his responsibilities. He began thinking about new possibilities. He returned several times to hear the preacher speak, but preferred just to listen. He could dream about the possibilities in this message of freedom, but still stick with the job he had and its reliable income. On one occasion, he had spent the entire day calling on people to sell his product with no success. Later that afternoon, he drove his truck over to the place where the preacher was speaking. The preacher asked to use the bed of the truck as a platform, and the young man readily agreed. The sermon was a powerful call to a life of obedience to God's command to love others and to trust in God's care. The preacher stepped down from the truck. He then asked the young man to make a call to the governor's office about the product his company was selling. It seemed ridiculous to do that. The young man had already pursued many government leads. But he made the call. Surprisingly, his call was directed to the governor's desk, and the governor himself took the call. By the end of the conversation, the young man had a commitment from the governor to buy his product for the entire state. He calculated that revenues for his company would jump 10,000%. The young man was totally awestruck. He had heard about the prosperity gospel But this was a miracle. He returned the preacher and he felt shaky as he said to him, I don't know who you are or what connections you have, but you have just made me a very rich man. The preacher responded, if you want to be rich in the eyes of God, leave the billion dollar company in your father's hands. You come join me and we'll help people understand God's love for them and the freedom that that brings to serve others, particularly those most in need. Who, me, he said? You can't be serious. My skill is making a computer component, and you open the way for my company to take off. Why are you asking me to leave this now? You're a preacher. That kind of work isn't for me. Well, we'll shift gears, and most of you have probably gathered that this is my modern-day version of the call of Simon Peter, and in Peter's case, he did in fact leave the miraculous catch that occurred after Jesus told him to put his nets down one more time. James and John, his partners in the fishing business, were also persuaded to follow this new life. And the emphasis is on a new way of functioning in the world. The big question for you and for me is this, does this call apply to Peter and others who go into professional ministry, or does it have a broad application? Does it in fact apply to all of us? Let me phrase the question differently. If we believe that God calls each of us to some meaningful work to support what God is doing in the world, how should we understand what that means as a practical matter? The scripture in Luke 5 and the Isaiah passage that we heard read earlier gives us some clues. Peter is convinced that he should change the way he is leading his life but he's convinced about this not by Jesus' words and not by Jesus' ability to do amazing things. Remember in the previous chapter of Luke, Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law, so clearly Simon Peter knew Jesus, Jesus knew him. Peter had heard Jesus' message before. But he becomes convinced that he should follow this man because of the abundance of the catch in waters that hours before contained no fish. This experience of unexpected abundance, over which he has no control, persuades Peter that he is in the presence of a holy intrusion into his reality. A holy intrusion into his reality reality. He has listened to God's word, just as we do when we listen to scripture, but now he comprehends it. He could not comprehend it through hard work, It came through obedience to a request from Jesus to go out again into deep water when that seemed a foolish thing to do. And the catch of fish had nothing to do with achieving material success. It had everything to do with demonstrating Jesus' authority as defined presence in our reality. And reality is an individual perception. Each one of us sees reality a bit differently. But to understand Jesus' authority in each of our realities is, I think, what this scripture is about. So what does it mean to follow a divine command that appears to have no chance of achieving any desirable result? Recall Isaiah's experience. He is certain about God's presence in the world. He is certain about his failure to serve God. You recall that his conclusion about himself is, and I quote, I am lost, unquote. Isaiah is then reassured about God's forgiveness when the seraph, a divine being, comes to him in a vision, touches his lips with a burning ember, and declares that he is forgiven of anything that separates him from God. Isaiah then commits commits himself to doing whatever God needs to have him do on God's behalf. And the task proves to be a very difficult one. You recall that the message he has given for Israel is a recipe for rejection. He's to tell the people that they will listen but not comprehend. They will keep looking for truth but not understand it. Furthermore, it goes on in the passage we heard, All their cities will be destroyed, all the people who survive will be taken away, everything in the country will be burned, and what is not consumed by fire will be burned again. That is a dismal message indeed. Imagine the reception here if John or I gave such a message from this pulpit. But don't worry. Jesus' message does also carry judgment. When he goes to his synagogue in Nazareth, described also in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 30, Jesus tells the people that God wants him to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captors, recovery of sight for those who can't see the truth, and freedom for all who are oppressed. The people initially commend him. They think he's talking about them. I mean, they live in a constant worry about being defeated by yet another power. They feel oppressed. They want release from a messiah. However, Isaiah soon points out that this message is for all people, not just for them. Not just for those who think that they have a special relationship with God, not for those who believe they have a manifest destiny that gives them an edge over other nations. No, this is a message for all. When the people realize what Jesus is saying, they try to throw him off a cliff in his own hometown. And this is the man Peter chooses to follow. I believe that God calls each one of us. The call is to be part of God's activity to give hope to people in poverty, release to people held captive, recovery of sight to those who can't see and freedom to those who are oppressed by structures in their society. You might experience a call as dramatic as Isaiah's or as dramatic as Peter's experience of divine power and its abundance. But more often than not, it's quite ordinary. In each case, what you have listened to in scripture from the mind of God is suddenly comprehended. You experience God's judgment on yourself and on your society, just as Isaiah and Peter did. But also you experience the hope that comes with the awareness of divine presence and promise. You see, a call from God changes how you see the world, and that changes your response to the pain, and hate, and darkness in the world. The real core of this message is this: you accept your excuse me you accept your usefulness to God in bringing the gospel of freedom to others. You accept your usefulness to God in bringing the gospel of freedom to others. Accepting God's reliance on us doesn't come easily. It didn't come easily for Isaiah, or for Peter, or for most of us. This call from God is something that we live into. There will be ups and downs, successes and failures. Remember how Peter debated with Jesus about sacrificing himself for God's purposes. Peter couldn't believe that having the power of God on one side could mean anything but a happy, joy-filled life to the end. Certainly not excruciating death on a cross. Jesus had to set Peter straight. And remember after Jesus' arrest that Peter denied three times that he knew Jesus. We will all have moments when we deny Jesus' claim upon us. We confess those moments, we receive God's forgiveness, and we set out again to lead faithful lives. I believe we all recognize God's need for us and our need to listen to a word from God to us. That is why we show up here in church. And showing up is one way of seeking to comprehend and act upon a call from God. And it is not just scripture that guides us. In the midst of the world's darkness, we have each, even for a moment, observed God's light and love in action perhaps in dining room ministry or the food cupboard, or rain to name just three. When we see God's light and love in action and choose to be part of it, we are living into our call from God. In scripture, we are taught that God will make up for one's inadequacy and weakness and lack of understanding. You may find yourself up against a closed door or a roadblock, but there is always the expectation that God will show you a way. There will be listening without comprehension, but also transformative moments of comprehension. It enabled Isaiah to preach judgment, but also to preach the hope of a redeemer. It enabled a demoralized and ashamed Peter to lead the early church after Jesus' death. My challenge to you and to myself is to keep recognizing and living into God's call. We will slip in and out of it, just like Peter, but we keep showing up, repent regularly, and do not lose hope. We listen, And we rejoice in those moments when we comprehend, taking action in large and small ways in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.